Make Better Best Books with authors, readers, and other endangered species. I'm your guide, Katerina Valentin. Come and join us. Welcome to this episode of Big Better Best Books. And today we're actually going to talk about one of the best books I've ever read. And with me, I have Rebecca Holse and Marilyn Bradford. And if you listened before, we've actually had a conversation before with these two amazing book lovers. We've talked about unlikely heroes. So this is our second exploration together. And uh, I think I'm going to start with Rebecca. What is one of the best books you've ever read? Well, first, we just need to say that this is the most difficult conversation. <laughs> and also that you start, we started with the attempt to title it the best book that you've ever read until we had not an argument, but let's say a discussion about how can you possibly choose? Yeah, that's, um, a great, that's actually a great point. Thank you for bringing that up because we got to the awareness that there is no way of picking the best book I ever read because there's so many books serve different functions too, like in different times of your life or in different areas of your life. And if you're a big, I think all three of us read a lot of books. I mean, I usually read several books at the same time. So yes. So that's why we changed the title to one of the best books I've ever read. (laughs) Now back to you, Rebecca. I'm very relieved. It's a lot lot more of a doable um, show now. before it was impossible and I wasn't willing to commit to one book but one of the books that I have been raving about that was so insightful for me that was actually a a non-fiction book was the um Genghis Khan and the making of the modern world it was just one of the most brilliantly written histories that didn't take what was being said at face value it actually instead was looking at all of the different parts and pieces and the myths and the legends and everything that was going on to create something different. And then on top of it, transporting you like you would a novel into his, his world at the time. It definitely makes me want to jump on a horse and ride through Mongolia, as I was saying to a friend <laughs> earlier this week. <laughs> I love that. I love this, like, the you know, imagining you <laughs> jumping on a horse and driving, riding really fast. This because you know, so, exactly, because you know that I would do that. <laughs> we definitely do that, maybe even without a saddle, you know, because I'm very impressed by you riding. Yeah. So, about that one. so I want to ask, though, where were you in your life when you found this book? Like, not necessarily how old were you, but where were you in your life? What, when did this book reach you? I was at the end of my book recommendations and I was, you know, I'd asked a friend of ours, Gary Douglas, for multiple different book recommendations and I was at the end of of his list too. And um, I realized that I had to go out there and find things that no one else had found before. And so I I started asking for more brilliant books that would give me insights the way that the books that Gary was recommending me would give me insights and books like that's actually just started showing up on my Amazon feed. And so it wasn't more that I was in any particular place in my life, but more my, my book reading life was, you know, mm-hmm. I had to start not necessarily going off everyone else's recommendations, but finding treasures for myself. 
It reminds me of when I was a kid and I read a lot as a child and I, I used to books too to get away from things I didn't really like in my life, I think. But I finished the whole children's section in the library and I remember going to the librarian and said, look, there are no more books here for me to read. It probably wasn't a very big library, but it was, you know, and I remember as a kid, it felt big, you know, all the shelves, like the shelves felt really big. And, but so she said, well, why don't you go over here here is a science fiction area because that wasn't in the children book area. That was actually because it was Asimov and books like that. So it was, you know, Ray Bradbury and more of more grown up. So she said, "Why don't you go over here and try this?" There's this big bookshelf like full of science fiction literature, and I was like, "I can." I can go over there. I can like cross over the library and leave the children's section and move into the adult. And just that, like that first adventure of, of taking myself from that children's section into the adult section and starting to pull. And she was showing me some of the books like that I could start reading. And, and it brought me into a whole new world. I've loved science fiction ever since, which, you know, it fits very well with, with what interests me. But, but that sense of, somebody taking me from that well-known section, the children's section and all of that, and then said, hey, you're welcome to this world as well. So thank you for that, Rebecca. That's really like, it's, it's somehow how we get access to more things by finding that one of the best books I ever read. So Marilyn, what, what is one of the Indeed. best books? Well, first of all, that what you just talked about, Katerina, was very much my experience. I read voraciously as a child, mostly to avoid my family and everything else. Um, and I have to credit them with reading to me as a very young child. Um, the other thing that came up, I was really looking at this when you asked us to choose. And one of the things I realized was that I, I actually separate access consciousness books from other books because to me, they're beyond books. Hmm. It's something completely different. The only quasi-bridge for me that I can say was Ram Dass, Be Here Now, because I was always a seeker, and I was reading him and Marion Williamson and blah, 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 blah. But probably my all-time favorite book, or I would say the book that made the greatest impression on me was Dr. Dane's um, Being You, Changing the World. And having said that, I still read all kinds of things. And you were talking about you know, different periods of your life. Even as a child, I loved the magical. I read the whole Narnia series. That was like, I could just inhale it. And the Pippi Longstocking. And, it, you know, as things developed, well, I went to high school and I was in a very academic school and town. So for a while I was reading, you know, Thomas Hardy and Stendhal and Jane Austen and, and uh, Kafka and all of that. And that was good. That was my good intellectual period. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just, but but what, what I found is that I love, and I read mostly novels. I, I really do, except for the access books, which really are beyond books. What I found is I love books about what we call humanoids or seekers or people who they don't really fit in. But at some point, after being made wrong, they do these amazing things. I mean, I just finished two books. One was The Nightingale, and one was, uh, what is it, As the Crawdags Sing. And both of them involve these beings that are not really well treated. I love The Nightingale. I'm not going to do a spoiler on it. But 
you know, she's kicked out of all of these various boarding schools and etiquette schools because she's like, why do I need to know how to peel an orange? You know, so she's, she's, not, she's not considered worthy. And she goes on to do some amazing things. And the same with where the crawdags sing. I mean, this is a girl who's from extreme poverty. And, and a lot of them are have something to do with class, but not necessarily. Uh, the other thing I found is I've ended up reading a lot of books, particularly recently, that have to do with either World War I or World War II, All the Light We Cannot See, and the Nightingales about the Nazi occupation of France. And when I was a child, I was obsessed with Anne Frank and the Nazi occupation. So I'm not quite sure what that's about, but it, it's always, it's about, it's not about the trauma as much about, as about resiliency and people who are, yeah, that sort of thing. But you know, Marilyn, and this is, I think what I was trying to get to with you too, Rebecca, a little bit is I think different books fulfill or give us different things in different times in our life is kind of the energy. So possibly the right now, the world war energy is something that you require for some reason. It doesn't, you don't need to define or understand it, but it's there. But I realized when you were talking, then maybe a better question, even better than the best book or one of the best books would have been, what is one of your best book experiences? Because when I was thinking about, what the best books was for me, I have, I kind of like, I could see in different parts of my life, my first best book or best book experience was my mom reading the whole, uh, what do you call it? That story of the ring, like the, um, Lord, the Lord of the Ring. The Lord of the Rings. She read the whole series for us in the car and we were driving somewhere in Austria and I, and I still remember like holding on <laughs> to the car seat like of, of pure terror was going to happen with Frodo at the end, you know, and the, the bitten off finger and everything. And that was such an experience in my life. But then I have a, a different experience is when I found Donna Tartt's The Secret History. And I found it and started to read it and could not stop. I literally could not, like I canceled everything and I lay down on my bed and I just finished that book in one read because I, I just couldn't, I was totally fascinated by it. And then you move into other kinds of books, like Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now was one of the first books that I read before I found Access and the Access book. So it's like, for me, there seems to be certain points in our life when a certain book, or at least for me, will find me <laughs> and change something. It's like it will click in and do something. At that particular moment, it, it finds me. So if I ask you that question, Rebecca, what is one of your best book experiences? What would you answer then? I was actually talking to a friend the other day because I, I just finished an, another book in, in a series from an author that you've actually had on on your show, Al-Ima Desit's last uh, or latest. I shouldn't really say last because he's never going to start writing until he dies, it seems. His, no. his book. But what we were talking about is that you've been on such a ride for a book that it, it's not a book hangover, but it's this period of time that you've been like on this journey for so long or, or maybe not that long, but so intensely. And then you turn to the last page and then you're at the end of the book and you have to either choose to reread something in the book read all the footnotes or the glossary or whatever they have at the back of that book, trying to extend the experience 
while knowing it's over. Yeah. And then you're left with this new journey that you've been on while you haven't left your chair. And like the experience is also departing. And so it's this thing of, you know, having this place where you've been on this journey and then this book is, is leaving you because you're, you're at the end of this journey. And to me, like some of the books that have created that the most are some, some of the, the classics like that Narnia series. And for me, Tamora Pierce books with, with her magic lands, like wild magic and, lioness were some of the ones that took me on on those journeys the most but also um the place which is a book by by a friend of ours gary douglas and the great thing about the place that other books don't have is you can you can just read it again and then you you have a different story well it is it is really interesting this thing that you bring up when we're talking about experiences because i have that a lot i I fall in love with the world that a book or a series of books present to me. And I really don't want to leave it. And I really listen to them sometimes. I've had that recently with a series that I think it's not like, you know, it's by Jody Taylor and it's Saint Mar- the Chronicles of St. Mary. It's about this time traveling woman. And it's, it's truly a whole, she built this whole world. It's like JK Rowling has that too in Harry Potter, these series of books that build a world that you you want to stay in, you don't want to leave it, and and it is correct. The place is one of the few books. There are a few books like that too that you can go back and you can reread it, and you get a new experience. So, if I asked you, Marilyn, what are some of the books that you reread? What would you say? What well, what are some of the books that you will revisit and come back to at certain well, points? Well, as a child, it was the Narnia books, um, and in, in a way, they were the most influential books for me I think I ever read, partially because I was a child. Um, so in a way, you know, we don't have as much to compare. We don't, we don't have as big of a universe at the time. But they taught me or showed me that magic was possible. And I just kept looking for that wardrobe that I could walk through, you know, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. They taught me, they showed me that other realities were possible. And that was something that carried me forward for years, literally, that this was not all there was. And it carried me into access, I would say, which sounds kind of crazy. In my adult life, I reread um, this Discovery of Witches, which is a trilogy. It's not an amazing a- book series. I love yeah. it, too. One of my favorites. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. not particularly well written, but once again, it was like, What's possible beyond what we've decided is possible, what this reality is and all of that. And so I've always been drawn to those kinds of books. And as I was talking about earlier, people who seem to be wrong, not fitting in, all of that, who go, you know what? I'm not going to diminish or demolish my being. I'm going to create something greater. And they do. So that's another factor that's shown up in all my recent favorite books. Um, I also, the other thing is I love mysteries and I'm not sure why that is, but I do. Louise Penny is one of my favorite mystery writers. I just finished her latest book. She writes about 
a fictional place in Quebec called Three Pines. But in all of the books I've read, it's about the characters. It's about people and what they choose. And even in the face of opposition or the, and, and I, you know, I'm trying to get out of struggle. <laughs> and, I, and I really pretty much have. But struggle is such a common sort of theme in this reality and in history. But these are people who are like, you know, I'm just going to choose something greater. I don't, I don't really care. It's people who put their awareness and knowing above any judgment or anything else that's going on. And that, that continues to inspire me to, to be like that, to choose that. I think it's really interesting too, because you know, when the, the original question, what is the, the best book that the one we first left and then moved on, but that question in a more a critical, if critical environment or literary environment would mean, would mean the best written book, the one with the most beautiful language, the one that was more innovative. And it could be like, there are books that I've thoroughly enjoyed by Dostoevsky, by Toni Morrison, by writers who really have this way with words that you can kind of enjoy and, and <laughs> like, it's like, it's like going in a river of beauty. And yeah. some of the books that stay with me, that give me, like you say, a sense of uh, something greater, actually a sense of hope and joy are often maybe not that well written for me, because it's, I'm sure it differs for everyone. And they are books that I that there's magic in it or unlikely heroes or a struggle that came to something greater. And it's the stories. I think I, for me, the books that I enjoy the most often has to do with a story that I am, that I get to, to fall into. So, so that's a great, great point there that we're not talking necessarily about the best written books. We're talking about the books that we've enjoyed or that has gifted us a lot in our lives. So um, if you look at um, when you were a kid, Rebecca, what would have been the books who we both have, Narnia and Tolkien have been the, the two <laughs> books that came up here, but what would you say would be some of the books that you first came in contact with that you really enjoyed? Actually, Enid Blyton was a huge treasure trove for, for me, both in, you know, some of her more cute and... Um, shorter stories but then also the ones that she wrote that were the the series like the famous five and and I can't remember some of the other names now but I've you know she's written more than 45 books and I think I've read every single one of them and in my house at the time when I was growing up we used to have a couch but then we would have a dining table and an armchair that was kind of hidden behind it and I would sit there as unnoticeable as possible and read for as long as I could get away with in that chair with those books and just be transported to the, to the, the delight of yeah. her, her magical world. I love those books and they always eat. I just remember they were always eating in those books. But it was funny in Sweden, those books were considered 
you know, they weren't really politically correct. Like of some obscure reason, they don't really know, but they were considered not as good literature. So for example, you couldn't find for many years, now you can, because now they're classics. But when I was a kid, they weren't in the libraries. They were considered, I don't know, less good literature. So I would, I would buy them and I would buy them with my, every week I would get a little bit of money from my parents. So every other week I could afford to buy one of the five. And I loved exactly like you, those books. They were also the ones where they were like in, in school somewhere and they had gone away to some boarding school and they were very exciting. So I used to, I used to like collect money and buy these books and it fascinated my parents that I would, I would use my money to buy these books and all the, all the ones that were for girls had red backs and all the ones that were for boys, like they were like biggles about like this, I don't know, this airplane pilot. They had green backs and they were all published by this publisher and my bookshelves were full of this red back books. And they, and today, you know, they are considered classics and you can find them anywhere. But it's funny that you mentioned that because I'd forgotten all about that. How I was like, I feel, and every time I read them, it would make me feel guilty. <laughs> Like I was reading that. That's so funny. For me, what struck me was how independent the children in that those books were. Like you know, because they were written at a different time, and they would go off camping by themselves or sailing yeah. a boat, or like go explore like a rail train, you know, area that wasn't used anymore. And I was, I was just so impressed by their sense of adventure and ability to handle themselves. And I think as a kid, I went, I want to be a leader like that. Yeah, you probably wanted to be Georgie or George, whatever she was called. The one that was kind of like a girl boy, a boy girl. I can't remember her. Yeah, no, those, and it it is like even talking about that, right? I can, I can tap into the energy those books gave me. I can tap into, like you say, you said delight. It was a really accurate word like and I could tap into Narnia the Narnia books and tap into when I got the first one on Christmas and then read all of them and what they so somehow these books for me are with me continuously and I was reading I was reading this article by Philip Pullman who has written a series of books called His Dark Materials that I think are now coming out as a, a TV series so he's more he's more in the in the newspapers at the moment, BBC produced something based on his book, The Golden Compass, I think. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's Philip Pullman. And he's he's an amazing writer. And he said that you think there are three things that children need. He says, of course, they need food and safety and all that. And then they need love for their parents. And if they're missing the food and safety, you'll notice, you know, they're malnutrition and badly clothed and freeze. And if the love, you will also notice because they... After a while, that will, of course, limit the way who they can be in the world. But what kids also need are stories. They need fables. They need stories. They need this bigger world that goes beyond our world. And it's hard to tell, he said, that it's hard to say exactly what happens with children who don't get stories. But their world will never be able to expand and go as great. And when you really look into it, you can see that that particular thing that our kind of need or our how we grow when we get to you know move into the stories is part of how we how we develop as as 
people as beings. And in just us talking about this, I can perceive like how the books that we read, how the stories that we've received throughout our lives has shaped us from who we are today. And I, I can, I am so grateful for every book I've read. I just realized I, I'd like to thank every single book that's come into my way that I've, I've been, you know, had the pleasure or luck to get lost in. You know, Katerina, that I, I'm going off on a tangent a bit here, but what you said really sparked something for me. Of course, being a psychotherapist for, you know, 30 years or whatever. But they talk about how it's easy for children to pick up languages, you know. Their brains are more malleable. Their, their, their tongues, their capacity to make different sounds are more malleable when they're young. If you try to learn a language, particularly something if I tried to learn Chinese or Japanese at later in life, it's much harder for me to do that. But I wonder, this whole thing about the stories, I mean, that... Having all those stories, whether it was the magic or, you know, I read some of those sort of standard and Alice in Wonderland and all those, allowed me to be aware that there was a greater world and that there were possibilities. And I do wonder if kids who don't read or not read to, if that's one of the components that leads to very small lives and to almost an incapacity as an adult to imagine that there are other possibilities. Anyway, I don't even know why I'm bringing that up. Well, I think, I think you just put, that's basically what Philip Pullman said in this article. You just put it way better than I did when I referred back to it. I read it earlier today and I, I didn't really realize it would come up. So thank you for putting that. So, well, that's basically what he's saying that it, it creates. So I guess that the three of us, have maybe the books to thank for our crazy brains <laughs> that are able to go places. <laughs> Very few books have gone. And you know, Rebecca, I can truly see you writing in the Mongolian, you know, landscape forward with your hair like flying behind you and and um, dressed in something extremely colorful. <laughs> I think that tonight when you go to bed, you should dream about this so that it, you know, comes to life in some way. Or um, you should book a flight to Mongolia. Like, oh, even better. <laughs> See, this is what books does to you. They tell you it is possible for you to go to Mongolia. <laughs> I love that. You know, when I first went to London, my entire conception of the city was based on all the different books that I've read. Like, And some of them are like, you know, 14th century London and others are 18th century London and modern day London. It was like this compilation of all these different Londons in my head and then going there with that basically with a little bit of, you know, movies and media and, and, and knowledge. But that was what was based my first trip to, to London on was this piles of different books in my head that was forming my own personal history of the city. So I'm sure Mongolia would be a similar kind of thing. <laughs> it would, I'm sure too. And I think, I think it's a great time for you to go there. So finally, before we end, is there any book right now that either of you are looking forward to read? Like a book that you're kind of waiting for? Let's start with Marilyn. Well, that's a sort of a... Uh, I'm, I'm moving some things so I can get the title accurate. That's a sort of a 
lukewarm, not lukewarm, that's a terrible thing to say, but I'm actually reading, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just starting on Elizabeth Gilbert's City of Girls, and part of it was not just because I liked Eat, Pray, Love, but I liked the second book that she did, and I'm turning the page to see what that was, and hopefully, oh, they didn't, they don't list it, it's the, oh, The Signature of All Things, which is a very, very different book from Eat, Pray, Love, but it, made me realize that she's actually a very good writer, which is one of the reasons I picked up City of Girls. And I couldn't, I sort of looked around and I couldn't find anything else I really wanted to read. So that's what I'm off to and hopefully it will be amazing. And it is, it's just starting out. It's about a girl who flunks out of Vassar because she never goes to any classes because she's too busy doing other things. <laughs> I hope it's, it's going to be one of the best books you've ever read. And what do you what do you have on your what are you looking forward to reading right now? Well, I'm currently in the book hangovers. I actually just finished reading Good Omens. Like I read I read the I watched the TV series and then I found out that it was a book. So I I just finished the book. So I'm I'm in that stage. You're going like you know that was the best book I've ever read, and I never want to read again. And I desperately need something new to read. So. I'm in a book hangover, and I'm not sure yet what that's well, going to be. <laughs> I am sure one thing, though, there, there is going to show up a new book. So I think you should ask, how does it get any better than this? And see what shows <laughs> up now when you found that. I'm actually, I'm waiting for uh, Margaret Atwood's um, oh, yes. Testaments. Because I really, I read The Handmaid's Tale many, many, many years ago, and I I am so excited to read what's coming now. So I think it's going to arrive soon in my mailbox. So we'll see if that will be one of the best books I've ever read. So thank you both for coming on. I'm so grateful and for exploring this with me, even though the original title got us all a little stumped. The next title was more inviting. So thank you both. I hope you enjoy the book the, the next book you pick up bye for now thank you Katerina that was lots of fun thank you.